0: this is joshua bell with the kilt in the cloth this was my sermon from december 6th 2020. i hope you enjoy god bless
1: my scripture this morning
0: is is a little bit different actually to be completely honest with you my sermon itself will be a little bit different my scripture this morning is taken from 1 corinthians chapter 13 And you may have heard these before, but if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burnt, but have not love, I gain nothing. You see, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing rejoices in the truth it bears all things believes all things hopes all things endures all things love never ends as for prophecies they will pass away as for tongues they will cease and as for knowledge it will pass away face to face. Now I know only in part, but then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. hard for me to come to this time of year without being overwhelmed with love. The love that we have for each other, the love that we have for our community, the love that I have for my wife, the love that I have for my children, the love that I have to my family, the love that I have for my congregation. You see, the part that's always been fascinating to me about 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the understanding of the word love here. This is the word agape. And in Greek, they have different classifications of how they design and discuss love. But in this form of love, agape, it is a love that transcends anything that we as human beings can understand. But then we can For those of you that work with children it's that moment when you see that they've accomplished something that they've been setting their minds to for weeks and it's as if a light bulb pops up in their head and you can see it and their eyes get bright and for the very first moment you feel that sense of pride not in yourself or in the things that you've been trying to teach but in the ways that they have experienced something on their own. That's a form, in my opinion, of agape love. Another way of looking at agape love is is that experience that when those of us that may have had children, or even those of us that take care of children, it's when they, they fall down and they scrape their knees, or something to that nature and the and the child comes running up to you and say, "Oh, I hurt myself. Oh, I hurt myself. I just need a kiss on my boo-boo." And somehow that loving kiss on that child of that is in pain heals that child instantaneously. Pain of the world has washed away and has completely dissipated from that child's mind because of the love expressed to and with them. It's also another form of God's agape love. For those of you that know, last year I was preparing myself at this time of the year to be going to Israel and Palestine I had no idea that when I would arrive there that it was a moment for them that it was still Advent for them. That they celebrated Epiphany and Advent all the way through the month of January. So you can imagine my surprise as I land in the airport in Tel Aviv and I see a Christmas tree and a nativity scene. Throughout the entire experience between this, I spent a good chunk of time in Bethlehem. <laughs> yes, the Bethlehem. And it felt really weird to me that I was in this really nice hotel, literally across the street from the the, the the Nativity place. The place that Jesus was born. And it was inside this gigantic Catholic church, and there was this little hole in the wall that we had to kind of crawl through to get to see where Jesus' birth had taken place. And in the juxtaposition of what was happening, literally there's this courtyard right in front of the Church of the Nativity, and right on the other side is a, a Muslim mosque. And then down the street there is a Lutheran church called the Church of the Nativity. And in the same place, everyone came together and celebrated this great and beautiful child, regardless of their faith traditions and their understandings. And while all of this was taking place while we were in Palestine, because that's where Bethlehem is, there was this image of the nativity scene that I wanted to share with you. You see there's this big cement wall there in the back, and you can see the star that is on the walls, and you can see Jesus, Mary, and Joseph sitting there in squalor while there is this gigantic concrete wall separating Israel from Palestine. And yes, I'm, I'm, I'm being graphic this morning in the sense that, yes, those Those holes in the wall are bullet holes. And right below the bullet holes, you can see graffiti with the word love spray painted on the concrete wall separating Israel from Palestine. You see, if the wall that was put up in between Israel and Palestine would have come, the shepherds would have never been able to make it to Bethlehem. The wise men would never have been able to make it to Bethlehem. Nobody would have been able to see Jesus, Mary, and Joseph because they would have had to have gone through this wall. Now I want to talk about this for just a second because I'm not making a political statement here. I want you to understand what my experience of the place that Jesus was born was like for me today. A lot of us don't know that there's this 30-foot concrete wall all the way along the borders of Israel. And a lot of us don't know that on top of this wall there's serpentine wire and that there's gun towers all over the place and they're all pointed towards, get, get you ready for this, Jesus' holy spots like Bethlehem or Nazareth. Even the place that the shepherds were approached by the angels. You have to go through security in order to see it. Now, as being a foreigner in a foreign land, it was extremely confusing to me, and it was an extremely confusing time. But the thing that was overwhelming to me throughout the entire experience was a sense of love that was extended to us as foreigners in a foreign land. And not once, not once, did I feel unsafe in the land of Palestine, in the places that Jesus walked, in the places that Jesus was born, where people from faith traditions that are covering the entire world come to celebrate a man by the name of Jesus. And the love there was not, you see, a a human understanding it was an agape type of love I was a human being and they were human beings and they extended that love to me as if I was a part of their family the one story that I've been holding off to tell you because I've been waiting for this moment to experience just a fraction of that love a, a complete and total stranger who does not speak Arabic and my Hebrew is well awful one day, we were allowed to wait until, uh, at, after dinner, we were allowed to walk around Bethlehem and go see the shops and things of that nature. And, and, and uh, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Israel shuts the power off. Well, the part that everybody freaks out about, and, and I don't really know why, is this, that I, I was walking uh, by myself, and my group had been walking by themselves. And for me to get lost is kind of a, 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 an unknown thing. But I had started walking and I had created my landmarks that I could physically see. And when the lights go off, you can't see your physical landmarks anymore. So I take a wrong turn and I walk down this, what I thought was an alley, it was a sidewalk next to a whole bunch of people and their communities and they see this strange looking white guy walking down the street, obviously completely lost, and they said, "Uh, are you American? and then your brain goes into a million different ways of going well I don't know how to answer that Um, and then I think about it for a second and I just think in my head I'll just keep walking and maybe nobody will mess with me they said no no are, are you American do you speak English and then I say well as a matter of fact I do yeah the power goes off a lot around here oh well, that's good to know. It looks as though you don't know where your hotel is. Well, um, you don't want to admit it, right? You don't, you don't want to tell this person in another country. Because in our brain, in our world, when somebody asks you that, you're in danger. Like they're gonna mug you. If I was in Chicago and this had taken place, and it was after dark, and the power had gone off, I would not talk to a single person. But here I am in Bethlehem where I don't know anybody or anyone and i around a bunch of people that I assume do not speak English and they ask me, do you know where your hotel is? The answer is, oh yeah, yeah, I totally know where it is. They said, okay. Are you thirsty? Well, I, I mean, I, I am a little thirsty. I, I guess I hadn't really thought about it, and they said, here, come into my home. What? No, no, I want you to come into my home. I want you to experience this, for those of you that are watching online. A complete and total stranger, who is obviously Muslim, invites me into their home. And so, I didn't want to be one of those Americans, right? I said, okay, sure. Sure they invite me into their home. They seat me at this very beautiful chair with lots of beautiful cushions that had to have been made handmade from silk. And she sits down and she introduces me to her husband and her children and her grandchildren. And they all come into the room and everybody is trying to see if there's anything that I need. Uh, uh, do, would you like something to eat? Are, are you thirsty? Do you? You, is the pillow nice? Is, do you want another pillow? Here, let me get you another pillow. Are you cold? It's re, It's been raining today. You look a little bit wet. Is there, it, would you like a shirt? Eventually, I start crying. And they're like, did we do something wrong? And I was like, no, I, I'm completely overwhelmed. I have no idea why you would do any of these things for me. You don't know me at all why would you give me stuff and bring me into your own homes and they said this is what God would want us to do of course then I start crying even more and they're like are you okay are you are you alright and I said of course I'm I'm just overwhelmed by your hospitality and they said hey I didn't use that word because that's mine, obviously Can we please help you get to your hotel? Which one is it? So I tell them, and then Grandpa walks me as far as he possibly can, and all of a sudden, as we get about a block away from the hotel, all of the lights come back on. And when I'm talking about lights, see, in Palestine, they go all out to celebrate the birth of Jesus. There were Christmas lights that covered the streets. And I mean like you were driving through a tunnel of Christmas lights. There were Christmas trees that were 40 or 50 foot tall. but with, with, blew me away with a reindeer on them. There was this understanding of celebration of the love of God. That they wanted every stranger, foreigner, even us Americans to feel the love and presence of God through Jesus Christ. So it's as if I'm walking into this fog of lights, and I see the hotel, and I see my compadres as they were also completely overwhelmed because I think they had similar experiences. And we go to the hotel, and we sit in the lobby, and we were speechless. Do you know how hard that is to take a group of ministers that are into the land of the birth of Jesus and to put them inside of a room and see that they are speechless? To be overwhelmed and humbled by the love of God from strangers It's exactly what we knew we had to create in the United States. I was very much moved by this experience. And in my example, in my life, I find myself being moved in moments and needing a constant reminder, a visual, if you will, of an opportunity to say, this is who and what I am. And in that process, I had already warned our deacons and elders that I was going to go to this place that had been marking Christians for over 600 years after the First Crusade. Second Crusade, sorry, Second Crusade. And this family, are Christian there, what you would call Coptic Christian, a, a movement that was created in Egypt, and we tend to believe that it was established in 42 uh, CE, which would have been shortly after Jesus' death and resurrection, and created by the Apostle Mark, and for those of you that know that the Gospel of Mark and I are very, very close, the Coptic Christians... Had a different understanding of life. And they're all over Jerusalem. They've been, you know, kind of uh, adopted by the Greek and or- Eastern Orthodox movements. They've, there's an Egyptian Orthodox Coptic movement. But this family have been marking Christians for over 600 years. As people take pilgrimages to see the presence and the places of God, and there was a phrase that kept popping through my head, which was First Corinthians chapter 13. Faith, hope, and love. Now, I'd already decided that I was going to go and be marked by this pilgrimage in a way that would permanently remember it and etch it into my memory for the rest of my existence and being in the form of a tattoo. And I know those of you that are watching may have a problem with tattoos, and, and that's okay. We have the ability to agree to disagree. But in my mind... Christians that have been on pilgrimage for 600 years and I had the ability to be marked as they were was something that I desired and needed in my own existence as I walk in the footsteps of Jesus. And the idea of faith, hope, and love came into my mind. So in this image that you see here of my example, this is a Coptic Christian version of Jesus's ascension. The angels Gabriel and Michael are above him, and then there's the or Elijah and Moses are above him, and then we believe Gabriel, uh, Michael, and probably as Azrael are there in the midst of Jesus' ascension. But notice that there's these words, faith, hope, and right at the bottom are these three interesting ways of saying it. The one on your, it would be your left, is the Hebrew word Ahava, which is the word that Jesus would have known for love. And it's in his faith, that it was in Hebrew, that I felt that I wanted to talk or to show his form of understanding of love in his native language, which would have been Hebrew. Over on the other side, you'll see the word hope. Interestingly enough, that's the Arabic spelling of the word Al-Hope which means love in the Arabic language and what you can't see in the picture is right at the bottom of this is the word agape in Greek which would have been the universal language and understanding of everyone that was in that area of God's love so in that process in that exact moment I knew that I had to have something that would remind me for the rest of my life even just a sprinkle of God's love. My hope is, is that you have ways of designating this time of your existence and expressing and showing that love between one another, between our congregants, between our community members, between our strangers, those that are foreign in our midst. Do you welcome them into your home? You express a way and extending the right hand of Christian fellowship to all those that we meet you extend this right hand of Christian fellowship and express God's love in a way that only God can through that agape a hope and a hava way My hope is, is that as we continue the Advent season, that you will find ways of expressing that hope, that love, that faith, that joy, and that peace in a way that uplifts the kingdom of heaven that all of the world can see. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.